they came from like the same background as me, same age, same everything. Like, obviously I can do this. And so that, that was really motivating one, but two, going to the local real estate meetups and actually meeting folks personally, creating legitimate uh, relationships and connections. Hey everybody, welcome to the Real Estate Rundown. Hey, listen, you're gonna wanna tap into episode 260. It's hard to believe we've done that many of the Real Estate Rundown. And we're gonna be talking to Joshua Ferrari. We're gonna talk about how to raise private capital. We're gonna talk about locating, negotiating, and acquiring value add multifamily assets and how you can do that and follow in his footsteps. We're also gonna really dig into the meat of how do you really raise capital? Where are you finding these multifamily investments and how are you building investor relations? So you guys are definitely gonna to wanna to tap into this episode of The Real Estate Rundown and my interview with Joshua Ferrari. Welcome to the RobNet Real Estate Rundown Podcast, where Shannon RobNet has handpicked industry experts to discuss all aspects of investing in the real estate world and seeks to help all real estate investors improve their education and their proven strategies to grow their real estate journeys. Now, here's your host. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 260 of the Real Estate Rundown. Today, my guest is Joshua Ferrari. Josh, how are you, man? Man, I'm, I'm good. I'm ready for this interview. Awesome. Awesome. You know, for those of you that don't know, uh, Joshua is my travel jinx. Uh, and uh, Josh, I'm going to tell everybody. I, I, I know I told you I wouldn't, but uh, this is the Josh has the patience of a saint. Now, that's not maybe what his wife said, but he has the patience of a saint because I've had to reschedule him three times. This is the third time we've tried to do this because for whatever reason, whatever day Josh picks, I have to travel on. And this day is no different. So I am actually recording this episode from the road, guys. And that, But that is how dedicated Josh and I are to bringing you the facts around what he does. But let me introduce Josh a little bit to you and let you kind of know who we've got here. So Joshua can show you how he's raised $6 million in 30 days. He can show you how he became a high-class uh, asset manager, a financial advisor, and benefit from his experience from somebody who never knew really anything about financing or investing. Josh always thought that the way to do life was to work hard till you're 65, retire on a farm out in the country, and then maybe indulge yourself in a few travels here and there. He had absolutely no background in a fin financial education and Josh, you and I are a lot alike because you seriously hated school and so did I. But guys, this is the power of what real estate can be. If you're willing to be a student, you can change your life. And I want to dig into this with you, Josh, as to how that happened. I mean, what was really the biggest, what was your turning point from somebody who was, by, by your own uh, admission, financially ignorant, unaware of how multifamily worked, unaware of how real estate worked? How did you become a guy that could go from there to raising Six million dollars in thirty days. Well, there's a lot of a lot of baby steps along the way that got me to that point. But the initial peak of interest into the whole realm of real estate, the industry as a whole, was actually my dad. Uh, he called me up one random day, January of 2018, after I had got off work um, from my day job as an aircraft technician and told me that him and my mom were about to spend $40,000 on some course that was going to teach him how to flip houses. 
And I just started laughing. Like, what are you talking about? 40 grand. What are you talking about? Real estate flipping. Like, I'm just thinking HGTV and like, yeah, those guys can do it because they've got a freaking TV show. Like they're millionaires. They've got tons of money. How the heck are you going to do that? And then you're spending $40,000 on the course. How are you going to be able to afford to buy a house and flip it? You've spent all your money on this course. So I just was dumbfounded. I had all these questions. But it ended, I, it, I ended up being this long conversation, about a four-hour long conversation. But at the end of it, I was just very intrigued. I was like, okay, there's something to this. I'm not sure that I really like flipping, but I like the idea of that. Uh, don't really know what the heck I'm going to do in real estate, but I know there is something here for me. So I started reading books, listening to podcasts, going to local real estate meetups, uh, probably read like 40 books that first year. Man, I was just like, I got to know everything. I got to know anything that's possible out there, what everyone else is doing, how it's working for them, all these different avenues, niches, and strategies. There's just so many different things in real estate. And we ended up getting started in wholesaling, which didn't really work out for us. But then we pivoted to buying. We bought a fourplex. We house hacked that. And tell folks we quote unquote syndicated it. But this is before I knew what syndication was. I just called my dad up and said, hey, you want to throw the down payment my way? I ain't got enough money for this down payment. And he was like, yeah, sure. So he paid for the down payment. We did a little handshake exchange for some equity. And then that we were off to the races in this deal, which ended up being a living nightmare, which we can talk about later if you want. But then throughout that process, I figured out what I really wanted to do, which was syndication. Because I knew that was going to kind of build the lifestyle that I wanted uh, for myself and for my wife and for my future family. So I decided to get into multifamily syndication, ended up getting a mentor along the way, as well as two business partners. And then we've since been able to raise about $10 million in private capital. We've closed on a 21 unit single family portfolio, 42 unit apartment complex, 34 unit apartment complex. Just recently closed a single family luxury flip, which is kind of a kind of a one-off, not really something we're going after, but it'll make us a quick million dollars. So we're really excited about that one. We've got another 148 units under contract, another 88 units under contract, another four to 500 units worth of LOIs out there right now. We're really trying to hit a thousand units this year. So all of that started out of what? I mean, I mean, obviously, you know, it piqued your interest, but how did you, I mean, you, you, you can't just read books and get the information. <laughs> I mean, right. you know, and, 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 and I say this as a loaded question because you said that, you know, your first house hack was a nightmare. Well, aren't all house hacks nightmares? I mean, isn't real estate a journey of growth? Isn't real estate a journey of trial and error? And how many times are we so focused on only the successes that we don't realize that these nightmares and these, 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 these things that didn't go well are probably some of the best teachers we could probably have had? Right. Yeah. I mean, it, so you, the question is like, how did we, how did we really get from one place to another? What really got me started? Yeah. yeah. It was, I guess, going to some of the local real estate meetups and the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I liked the fact that listening to podcasts, I liked hearing other people's success stories. So folks that were maybe similar to the shoes that I were in, someone that I could directly relate to similar to my age, didn't have any background, didn't have a ton of money starting out. Now all of a sudden they're doing hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of, you know, deals or unit counts or, or whatever. They're making a ton of money in real estate. I'm like, wow, they're 
they came from like the same background as me, same age, same everything. Like, obviously I can do this. And so that, that was really motivating one, but two, going to the local real estate meetups and actually meeting folks personally, creating legitimate uh, relationships and connections. And then also when going to the local meetup, when we actually signed up to be a part of one of them, because there was three different ones we were going to, but one of them, they gave you a, a quote unquote free wholesaling course when you signed up for it. And so I was like, okay, let me check out this wholesaling gig and see what that's all about. And so he had contracts in there and he had DVDs and CDs of explanations of all these different things and how you need to talk to people and how you need to be marketing and what marketing even means and who you need to be reaching out to, to market, how you figure out who your kind of avatar is going to be from that and building a buyer's list. He, he, do, he dove really deep into, you know, what wholesaling was and how it worked. And so I said, okay, now I know what wholesaling is. So at the very least, even though I don't really know how anything else works, even though I know we kind of maybe want to get into owning real estate eventually, because we want a passive income, let's try wholesaling. You know, we just need to get started. So let's just try wholesaling, see what it does for us. If it helps us make a little money, great. We can take that. We can start buying something what we want to do anyway. And if not, then we'll just pivot. You know, we'll we'll figure it out from there. You know, and I've I've heard a lot of people uh, have a similar uh, experience with wholesaling. And you know, some people refer to it as the real estate gateway drug because it's something you can do with no money down. It's something you're just all you're investing is time. Once you get the contract, then you've got to turn around and figure out how to get rid of the contract or sell the contract or offload the contract. But you're not really uh, you're not really underwriting anything you're just you're trying to establish that there's a deal there to be had and from there you're finding the other guy and and you're connecting the dots and so i hear a lot of people get involved that way but after you got after you got your fourplex house hack done how did you how did you start sourcing deals i mean you know it's not every day a realtor calls you and says hey i've got this single family portfolio do you want to buy it how did that really come about for you yeah that's true that doesn't happen so the single family portfolio actually came from my partner so I was starting to build this relationship with this guy that I actually met on Bigger Pockets, which I just personally think is is funny because he lives in Gulf Shores and I live in Mobile. We're like 30 to 45 minutes away from each other. And he found me on an international website. I just think that's funny. But anyway, he met me on Bigger Pockets, said we needed to connect. We went out and got coffee and that kind of started building the relationship. And then he was in the process of closing on this 21 unit single family portfolio when we kind of decided, okay, hey, maybe there really is something here. We kind of mesh very well together here. He was a musician. He played the bass guitar. I'm a musician, been playing the drums for the last 15 years. He loved working out. I loved working. We just had a lot of like similarities as well as complementary skill sets. I liked investor relations. He loved asset management and the financial side of it. So we felt like we really just meshed well together. We're in the same markets, liking the same things. And so we kind of partnered up from there. And so I got on in on the back end of his 21 unit. So as far as like how he sourced that, that was relationships he had because he'd been in the single family space for about a decade prior to that. So I guess to really answer that question, it was his relationships, his relationships, his connections, is building relationships with people that have access to those deals or with realtors that have that connection or with a broker that has that connection. So then from there, you know, we really started diving deep into building relationships with brokers, building a brand for ourselves, so on and so forth, kind of getting uh, reputability from for, like from brokers, I guess, like, hey, we are reputable, we can close deals. Um, and then from there, that's when we started getting 
deal flow on the multifamily side of things. You know, and, and it's funny how I don't want to say that real estate is serendipitous, but there is so much of real estate that is about connections and it's about the connections that come from the weirdest, the, 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 sometimes the most unusual places, or, you know, just like you said, the, the reality that bigger pockets was what connected two guys that are literally in each other's backyard and would have never otherwise met, you know? Um, but, you know, the funny thing is, so, so Josh, we, we've got this figured out where, you know, you, you got involved with, with, with one aspect of real estate, it didn't work wholesaling. You got involved in a house hack that worked, but it sounded painful. And then you got involved with a 21 unit portfolio. Ooh, I, I'm waiting for it. Where's the story? What, what was the, what was the learning curve with that? With the 21 unit, uh, I have been very much just kind of on the back burner with that deal. So my partner, Reggie, you know, like I said, I got it on the back end when he was getting ready to close it anyway. So I didn't actually own any equity in that deal. It was more so he was handling all of that on his front. And it was just kind of, you know, collectively as a partnership, these are the deals we've closed since we've been partners. But he's kind of handled a lot of that. I've been I've been following him as he's been doing it. I've been asking questions. So as far as like pain points, I think some of it is just some of the properties that he bought inside this portfolio or maybe not in the best area. Maybe you didn't have the best tenant base. He's had a lot more issues from some of the C, possibly even D class properties that he's got on the single family side, just some of those sketchy areas. Um, but he's been able to have the property manager handle a lot of that. So he's kind of been able to sit off on the side of that. And then it's actually been a really amazing deal for him because Every time he tells me about it, I'm like jealous. Like, man, I should have, I should have found a way to like get in on that back, back yeah. when when you were telling me about it. But you know, that's the thing about real estate, though, Josh. I mean, every single thing that you do, every single deal that you do, has the ability to be successful and has the the ability to teach you. You know, because everybody says success leaves clues, right? And so a lot of people look at it and go, well, success only leaves positive clues. Mm, that's not true. You can find negative things that teach me. I've moved a house once. I've only done it once. I've done a remodel once. I've only done that once. Uh, you know, I've, I've built single family homes. Uh, I only did that four times, right? There are a lot of things that I've done and success leaves clues. And what the clues that it told me is don't mess with it, right? But there's <laughs> still a clue there, right? There's still something with that. And when you're coming away from the deals, and this is what I want my listeners to pick up on, is in the two and a half years that you've been in real estate, you have learned a ton and every single deal you've done, there's been good and there's been bad and there's been something that you've learned from that that has improved your your forward motion, right? right. Uh, you, you hear about football players. They're constantly watching film, right? They're watching the other team. They're watching themselves. They're watching all these things. They're replaying what's going on, not because they need to remember it because they forgot. It's about what can you do to improve it? And so I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your story and I'm dissecting it. And I'm loving it because so often people glaze over all this and say, oh, yeah, I got $10 million in real estate and I, I, it's all been a piece of cake. But it isn't. But it's about the tenacity. It's about the pivoting. Right. It's about the, the, the juke move here. It's about, you know. And, and so I, I appreciate you sharing that with us and, and letting us kind of see where, you know, the process is, in fact, that it is a process. Definitely no pieces of cake had here. There's just nothing but hard struggles. And that fourplex was the biggest struggle because 
almost anything that could have gone wrong on that deal went wrong. And yeah, we, we might as well, we might as well just go ahead and, and dive into it. If you, Let's do it. Let's <laughs> do it. So what, so Josh, tell me about this fourplex. What happened? Uh, well, we bought it. Uh, everything was hunky dory. We're ready. We were thinking this was an amazing deal. We had four different contractors walk it with us in the beginning. They all told us it was going to be anywhere between 75 to $80,000 and renovations none of the units were livable but we were going to move into one of them while we were renovating because we didn't have anywhere else to live we didn't want to spend any more money on rent we didn't really have any more money to spend because everything that we had we were putting into this deal so move into one of the units it's heat of the summer ac's not working all that great if at all we've got a box fan in southern alabama uh, the shower doesn't work the kitchen's all jank hardly works and there's cockroaches everywhere so we're living in this house. I'm thinking it's going to get better. Like, babe, I promise you, things are going to turn out for the better. And we start renovating. We finally cl like you close on the deal, start renovating. And the renovations just start taking a little bit longer than expected. All these things start coming up. We end up tripling the timeline and doubling the budget on just the first unit, just renovating one unit, which is the unit we were going to live in because we needed a unit that was livable while we were living there and make fixing everything else up. So we move into that one and then we have to fire them and hire a new contractor. Cause I'm like, we, there's just no way that we can go through every single unit and be tripling timelines and doubling budgets. It's not going to make any sense for anybody. So we did a 203 K FHA loan, which for the listeners out there that don't know what that is, it's just a loan that allows you to pay three and a half percent down because it's FHA, but they roll in, the renovation piece of the actual loan into the deal. And you would think that's amazing. Three and a half percent down and you get all that and everything's going to be hunky dory and great. And for me, it was a living nightmare because pe the paperwork was miserable. I'm telling you, it took five months, not one, two, three or four, but five months between firing the first contractor and hiring the second one. Mind you, we already had the second contractor lined up before we fired the first one because we didn't want to have any time gaps there. But of course, the lender who has the almighty power and the control of all the finances is like, I'm not paying you anything until we finish all this paperwork. And of course, it takes five months to do so. So in the meantime, I'm like, there's just no way on God's green earth, I'm going to just sit back and let nothing happen for five months. So instead, we started taking out personal loans and credit card debt. And I said, hey, if I can fix an airplane, I can fix a house. We're going to go to YouTube <laughs> University. We're going to start learning how to do construction and roofing and foundation and carpentry and, and, and all this other stuff. And so that's what we did. Started buying all the materials, the tools I was going to need. Money started racking up real fast for all this stuff right, right. and started doing all the work myself. So I'm working 10 hours a day at work. Then I'm coming home, working eight hours a day on the house, barely getting any sleep, not hardly ever getting to see my family. And it was a very, very big struggle, but I knew it had to happen. I knew that we were neck deep at that point into the debt, into the deal, into having to make this thing work. And then because none of the units were livable, we were having to pay all of the holding costs this entire time. And we had initially thought, okay, it's only going to take six months to finish all the renovations. We've got enough money in reserves to pay the holding costs for six months. And then we'll start getting income 
to come in from the renters to kind of offset the what the cost of the mortgage is because we couldn't actually afford it from what we were making in our day jobs. And then, of course, it takes a year and a half to finish renovations instead of six months. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, it starts six months, turns into eight, which turns into 10, which turns into 15. And I'm like, this is bad. This is really bad. You know, month over month. We're having to scrape together. I'm having to work like six days a week, seven days a week, but which is a struggle because I'm also having to come home and work on the house five, six days a week. But the money just kept showing up. You know, I think it just it, we kept being faithful in what we were doing and the money just kept popping up in the bank account. We just kept being well, able to afford and it. You know, the other thing, too, sh the, with that, though, Josh, just that you you are able I mean, lucky never happens, right? Lucky is the result of hard work and happening to be at the right time when, when luck shows up. But if you're not showing up every day, and, and I think for my listeners, if you're going to get involved in real estate, it may not be your first deal that goes like Josh's deal. It may not be your second deal. It may be your 15th deal, but you are going to have a deal go like this. So you need to pay attention because, you know, the thing that this tells me is, it's not if you win or lose, it's do you complete it? Because there's going to be deals, right? There's going to be deals. I mean, I can tell you, I've got deals that I lost money on. I got deals that, that went too long, that cost too much, that did all the things wrong, but I finished them. I don't have one customer that I can walk back into or one investor that I've ever had to go back to and say, I'm sorry, we did not do what we said we were going to do because we did. Did it go like I wanted? No. But we still did it. So, you know, Josh, that's a, that's a thing that a lot of people miss is that you, you went to YouTube University, but you went to you went to uh, real estate university as well because and you completed the course. And that's what's important. Right. Yeah. So you get this thing done. You, you get it. Now you're, you're it's renovated. Now it's become just, the you know, the, the, the unicorn that you always knew was in that pile of horse poop. Uh, but now, now you've moved on from that. Now you're on to bigger, better things. You've closed on about 100 units since then, right? Right. How did you do that? How did you, I mean, you, you just said you spent all your money on this thing. Where did you get the money to do the rest of the things? So I still don't have money to do the rest of the things. <laughs> I think it's all network-based. It's all connection-based. It's just going to continue to go back to that because finding my first partner who was doing the single family deal, I was like, man, how are you like, how, how, I was asking the same questions you're asking me. How did you find this? You know, what, where did you come up with the money? Like, how did you raise, you know, $800,000 to close this deal? That's just insane. Where did you get that? And I'm just diving deeper, deeper into the, the financials of it, the overall logistics of what the heck was going on, how exactly this was all working and realizing that that was powerful, that what he did was extremely powerful. And I wanted, you know, I wanted a piece of that. And so even before then, I had kind of known that multifamily was the direction I wanted to go in. I had stumbled upon syndication a couple of times. And basically what he was doing was syndication, but for a single family portfolio. And so diving deeper and deeper into that, I was just trying to learn as much as I could. I think a lot of that went back to the education, back I guess back to the educational side of things of, of talking with folks and reading what other people have done. Hey, you know, the syndication thing. What What's Sally May over here doing? What, what's Joe Blow doing over off to the left here? How, how much success has he seen or has she seen? And what exactly are they doing to get this success? And 
a lot of you'll find that a lot of times, no matter what it is in real estate, that folks are a thousand percent, you know, open, honest, and transparent and ready to. I mean, maybe not everyone's that way, but a lot of people in real estate are ready to let you know, hey, I failed at this. I was good at this. Here's why I was bad at this. Here's why I was good at this. Here's why this is the way you need to take when you do this and X, Y, and Z. And so just listening to all these people really wrapping my head around what other people will did. Like you said, success leaves clues. They're all leaving clues for me that I didn't have to fail at or, right. or whatever. And so I was right. able to take that and then pivot what I needed to do to buy larger deals, which was partner with people because partnering with Reggie at first, he was very high level net worth individual and high liquidity individual. And so with that, with his help, we got into our first deal and then we weren't even able to close the first deal, just the two of us, because we were about a hundred to $150,000 shy on the capital raise. So it was like, dang, you know, we're not going to let this not go through. We're not going to fail this far into it. And so we actually found our first multifamily deal, the 42 unit from my mentor. It's actually his deal that he was selling and he brought it to us and gave us a $400,000 discount if we didn't use a broker and close by the end of the year. So we're like, you bet we're taking that deal. And so we're like, and I can't let my mentor down. You know, I can't not do this. So funny enough, I actually asked him, I said, hey, you want to get the best of both worlds here? You want to help us raise $150,000? We close your deal. Everyone wins. <laughs> he was yeah. He was like, let me, th let me think about it. He took out a day or two to think about it. He's like, ah, I just ethically can't be on both sides. I don't think that's going to work. He said, but I'm not going to leave you empty handed. I got a guy that's helped me on a few deals. He's helped me raise money before he lives over in Destin. Great dude. And I think you guys would mesh very well. He used to be a fighter pilot in the Navy. I was like, what? You know, I'm, I'm in aviation. Thought, thought that would be super cool to meet this guy. And it was like, it was 80% of the way of already trusting this guy because we had been referred by my mentor. So then we ended up going to meet, having brunch together. We've meshed very well together, had very similar uh, personalities, I guess, from a, from a stance of being able to get along well. And then we also had those uh, complementary skill sets. And so it was almost a no brainer. All three of us were like, all right, let's do this. And then within a matter of two weeks, the dude had like $700,000 ready to give us. We're like, whoa, we only need like 150. <laughs> Calm down, you know? And so, but that at that point, it was like, okay, we got this extra money. What are we going to do with it? And then the next deal came before we even closed the first one. And so then we took that money, rolled it over, and it's been like a never ending game of rollovers ever since. Well, you know, and it's funny too, because you mentioned, you know, uh, the syndication and really, you know, syndication is just partnerships, right? It's, right. it's an LPGP alignment where limited partners trust the general partner to do all the heavy lifting and the day to day stuff stuff. They just want to drop off their cash and pick up their checks. Right. And so, so having that and then finding that the GPs also are partners inside of that, it's just a partnership within a partnership, right? It's like a babushka doll, you know, and inside there are the guys, the three guys that are running it. So now that you've done that, I mean, you've gone from the world of, of, of wholesaling to house hacking, to buying a 21 unit portfolio to then, you know, put down this 42 unit, to, to then working with another guy on the capital raising. Now you're pretty efficient at that. What's the best way to raise capital? What's the best way to get that money to come in like that? So I actually did a capital raising challenge in July of 2020 by a guy by the name of Bill Allen. Shout out. Um, he did a capital raising challenge that he was calling 30 days to 500 K. And I was intrigued. Like, the heck is this 30 days, $500,000. I 
that sounds amazing, you know? And, and some people might think it's, it might've seemed somewhat scammy, but I was like, I know the guy, he went to our local real estate meetup for a while, ended up being really successful and then moved off to Nashville. So at the very least, let me see what this is all about. So I reading more about it and he started posting some more about it, went to his website, looked at, looked it up and it was only a hundred dollars to get in. And then you're in this challenge for 30 days. And he, the, the idea was that he was going to teach you everything you needed to know, kind of build that groundwork for you so that maybe if you didn't do it inside of those specific 30 days, at some point in the future, you would be able to have all of the groundwork and the ability to raise $500,000 within a 30 day time frame. And so I was like, all right, very least I spent a hundred bucks, learn nothing, whatever, you know, it's a hundred bucks and, and some time, you know, I'm trying to get deeper into the space. I feel like there's bound to be something here that I can learn. Uh, so pay, paid the money, got in and right off the get go, he says, all right, you know, you've got like a secret identity and we're going to unveil it. It's like secret identity. What the heck are you talking about? I don't have a secret identity. And then he started diving deeper into it, talking about, you know, how many people actually know what you do from like a real estate perspective. And I was like, well, why don't you mention it? Because I hated social media up to that point. I was not very into any of the Facebooks or LinkedIn, yeah, Instagram, you and me both, or anything. Man. And you so, and me both. right. So when he said that, it's like, well, now that you say it, I haven't really been on social media at all. So none, none of my social media friends know about it. I only talk to the folks that I work with and the folks that I have built relationships with via my own outreach for knowing what I do in real estate. I'm like, so maybe I do have a secret identity. I don't know. A ton of folks don't know what I do. So then he said, okay, well, for the next 30 days, you're going to go live on social media once a day for 30 days. I'm like, that's gonna be tough. Live on social media. I don't, I don't even know how to go live. I had to Google where the live button was on Facebook because it's not easily visible. And so I start going live. I'm nervous and I'm telling everyone I'm nervous. Like, Hey, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but here's the live video day one, 30 day 500k challenge. And then 30 days later at the end of going live once a day, I had hit that $6 million mark of capital raised. And I was like, Holy cow. You know, what have I been doing wrong this entire time? And the only thing I did differently in those 30 days was educate myself on how to raise money first and foremost, but then secondly, go on social media, tell people what I'm doing, be open and honest and authentic and transparent. And don't always talk about business either. Not everyone wants to hear how capital stacks work and how much money they can make in real estate and how you're making a ton of money and how you're all successful with this beach house. Like folks don't want to hear all that stuff. They want to hear your story. They want to know about your life. They want to know what happened today that was crazy or funny or weird or ridiculous. Like, Hey, I woke up this morning and my dog took a dump on my face, you know, like whatever is just hilarious and funny and random and authentic. And you, they want to dive into the emotional side of your story. And so for almost 23 out of the 30 days, all I did was talk about my life random things. One day it was like, Hey, it's 90 degrees in this fourplex. The AC went out. I'm over here sweating, drenched. This is horrible. Another day it was like, Hey, COVID's going on. We're in the middle of a COVID drive through and they're about to shove something up my nose. You know, it was just the complete and utter randomness, but folks were starting to 
kind of, I guess, attached to me almost like they're just interested in my story. And every caption of every video had that tagline of like day 13 or day 20 of 30 of the 500K challenge. And then folks would see that and be like, even though I didn't even talk about it in the video, hey, what the heck's 500K challenge? What the heck is real estate? What is syndication? Tell me more about that. Now folks are scheduling phone calls. Now they're commenting on the videos, liking it. Now I'm getting more traction because I'm appeasing the algorithms. And it just ended up turning into this big thing of me just being me. You know, and that's, and that is such an honest story that so many people miss, you know, they go out and they try and raise capital without having any experience thinking that they need to go get experience to be able to raise capital. And all you need to do is be able to give people the opportunity to ask you what you do, to be able to ask you, how is it you you did that? How did you get to that place? Where did you learn those skills? And from there, the conversations start. Right. I mean, if they don't want to be involved in real estate, it doesn't matter how many times you put that information in front of them. They're not going to want it. And it may not be them that, that gets involved, but they talk to their uncle or the, the hairdresser or whoever else, the mailman, whatever. And, and they, they have, oh, yeah, you should see what Josh is doing. He's doing this. He's doing that. And it's amazing how many times I hear people say exactly that. If people don't know what you do, they don't know how they can interact with you. They don't know how they can do business with you. And so if, if you're just letting people into your life, and I, you know, I was the same way because uh, a year ago, February, a year ago, Valentine's Day, I had no social media accounts, no LinkedIn, no Instagram, no nothing. Now I'm all over everywhere, right? Because I know that that's the power of just being out there, being myself, my Monday morning motivation, right? Friday, what's your win? Those aren't about me. They're not about my syndications. They're not about our developments. They're not about everything that's going on. I spend five days a week on Clubhouse talking about everything there, being with people in a Clubhouse room called the Real Estate Cafe, where we talk about all things real estate because it lets people know who I am. It lets people know of my experiences. And out of that, you've been able to build a massive fundraising arm that now you're, you're running around with a problem. You got more money than you have deals, yeah, which honestly you would think would be the case, but it's actually turned somewhat sideways. And I'll tell you why, because when I was raising the $6 million, it wasn't actually money that I was taking into account. It wasn't money I was putting into a deal. I didn't have a deal. I was just wanting right. to get into this challenge to figure out how to raise money, what the heck that even means, how to, how do you even get even the slightest hint of access to $500,000? What does that look like? I had never had access to anything like that before. And so this $6 million was all soft commits. And so moving forward past that, when we actually got our first large deal, the 42 on our contract, this was July of 2020 when we had the $6 million of soft commits. And it was late August, maybe early September, when we finally got the deal under contract, we're getting ready to start raising the capital for it. So naturally, I'm reaching out to all the folks that had told me, hey, I'm, I got all this money. I'm willing to put it in a deal with you. You know, love what you're doing, like your personality, like you as an individual, but I also like the markets you're interested in. If the deal looks anything like what we've kind of described today, love to get in, you know, something along those lines. And so I'm like, hey, the deal is very similar to the deal that we have all discussed. I've discussed with all of you guys, you know, what do you think? And man, I was getting excuses like, I don't know what's going on with the election. Now's not the right time for me. Uh, or or I've already put my money into another deal or I have no idea what's going to happen with the economy, with COVID. You know, I don't, I don't know. my homework, all that kind of stuff, right? And, and it's all valid. You know, I, I call it excuses. It's all, I don't want to take your money if you don't want to give it to me. Obviously, that just doesn't make any sense. But it, it turned from $6 million of soft commits 
to like $350,000 of actual hard money raised when we actually had the deal. And a lot of that was probably timing. It's probably what was going on in the world with everything, all the stuff that they had mentioned. But I realized real quickly, like, okay, soft commits and a check, two totally different things. I can have all the money in the world in soft commits, but that doesn't mean anything if I don't have a hard deal that folks are interested in at that exact time. Right. Right. And, you know, that's that's all part of the challenge, too. You know, they don't like this town. They don't like that flavor. They don't like the color. They don't like this. And, you know, that's the challenge that we always run into, too. It's it's one minute you got too much money. The next minute you got too many deals. And then you got you go out and you fundraise for that. And now you get too much money again. We struggle with that. But it's about balance. Right. So, Josh, before we get uh, done, wrap this up, I really appreciate your time. But where can my listeners find you in the in the world wide web? The World Wide Web, you can go to ferraricapital.com. All of my social media links are there. Our monthly newsletter is there. My own podcast, Creative Capital, is there. All of our resources, read our vivid vision, where we're headed, see if you want to join, what we're headed, if it even sounds cool or interesting or, or, or anything of that nature. You can see past deals that we've done, all that stuff so on, the, on the website, ferraricapital.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, guys, we want to thank you once again for being on, uh, tuning into the Real Estate Rundown. Josh, we thank you for your time and stopping by and, and giving that information to our listeners. Guys, if you want to uh, find us, you don't forget to share, like, subscribe to the Real Estate Rundown on Podchaser, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, also, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube. Leave a review. I love to hear what you think and your feedback and topics you'd like to see us cover. So guys, thanks again for tuning in to the Real Estate Rundown.